allies and anybody that wants to learn more about the LGBT plus community. My name is Zanardi and I'm so glad all your beautiful faces are here. Hello, girls, gays, B-E-A, beautiful NBs, cishets. If you're a cishet listening to this podcast, I applaud you. You're either very confused or very intelligent. I'm talking today to Andrew Shalo. He's a cultural critic, podcast host, TikTok creator, writer, and advocate against Grindr and apps like it. He hosts the Generation Shallow podcast wherever you get podcasts and is outspoken about many of the problems and brokenness found in the male-loving male community. So this episode mostly centers around his his and I's experience as gay. Is that how you say it? (laughs) This this episode mostly centers around his and I experience him and I whatever him and i him mine and i's what the fuck (laughs) this episode mostly centers around his and i experience as gay men although many in the queer community will find a universal message around self-esteem filling voids with vices seeking instant gratification over healing you get the vibe so i'm so excited for you to hear this episode uh, we dive deep into these time, types of topics and really understanding your self-worth and addiction and things like that. And so without further ado, here's our very own Andrew Shalo. Andrew, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the Alphabet Mafia podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I've been following you for quite some time now, and I think that you've you've said a lot of great things and, and helped people in the, in the community in ways that doesn't really get seen or talked about much. So so thank you for being here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And I think what you're doing is also amazing and bringing light to these, you know, important issues. Like you said, we just, I feel like we're on this new wave of all this information being brought to the surface. So it's great to be here and it's great to have, you know, podcasts like yours out there. I appreciate it. And likewise too, I know you have one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, it's like the more the merrier and I'm glad that we're able to team up in this time of, you know, uh, where everything's virtual, we can like do this kind of thing. It's cool. Exactly, exactly. And so why don't we just take a step back and, and kind of talk about yourself or just introduce yourself. Who Who is Andrew and, and what is Generation Shallow? Yeah, so uh, Generation Shallow is a podcast that I started um, to kind of go off of my TikTok, kind of expand on those like conversations that I was starting in the comment section Um, I began to kind of, you know, reach out to those people and see if I could interview some of those people about their experiences. Um, It kind of started out me, you know, wanting to talk about uh, different TikTok creators and artists, but then it kind of veered into focusing on, um, you know, things in the gay community specifically, Mm -hmm. um, because that was kind of the central point of my uh, TikTok for a while was just kind of you know, talking to other gay men candidly about some of the issues that we all uh, know exist, but we're all kind of like afraid or, um, you know, unable to really put into words. So I wanted to put into words the kind of struggles or the kind of missteps that we're seeing happen in the gay community and really like the mental health crisis that we're seeing in the gay community. Mm. Um, So yeah, I'm a podcast host, I'm a writer, um, a social critic, and I'm in the middle of getting my master's on Zoom. So it's kind of like all, you know, and I'm like trying to survive this plague that we're living through. So it's <laughs> exciting and uh, definitely on my toes. 
Yeah, sure. It's it's all happening right now. That's awesome. That is great. Uh, so what and what you're doing is amazing. Absolutely. Of, of course, there's many conversations that need to be had within the queer community that we'll get into a little bit today. But what was your overall like inspiration for starting your podcast and starting your TikTok? Where was that coming from when you decided to to take to branch out and to, and to start making that type of content? Uh, it mainly came from a fiery frustration that, um, you know, I became aware pretty early on uh, in my experience being out and moving to um, the city when I was 18. I realized quickly that like we all kind of had these shared truths about the gay community, about the fact that, you know, we had a body image issue and the fact that we had a consent issue and a self-esteem crisis and like all these things were happening, but nobody on social media was really um, talking about it or going there or wanting to go there. And I've spent my entire life going there, quote unquote, um, with other issues. And I began to have these kind of conversations about the gay community um, in school. And I began to write about, um, you know, my sort of like, I would say toxic relationship with Grindr mm. and social media in general and how it kind of um, crushed the way that I saw myself and my self-worth. And I noticed that that was something that was happening with other people as well. So, um, I was a little bit resistant to uh, to TikTok at first, you know, at the start of the pandemic. Sure. <laughs> something that I really didn't want to be because I had I had quit Grinder and all dating apps um, at the end of 2019, um, thinking, oh, I'll just like go without it for a couple months and then I'll you know meet people in real life, not knowing that we were going to be um, you know isolated for a year. <laughs> So it became really like a self journey that I was on um, and I needed time to really like process that. And so I was adamant about getting on TikTok at first because I knew that I had and I still do uh, tendencies to be addicted to Twitter and Instagram and, you know, social media like many of us. Yeah, like it was just too distracting for me. Um, that I thought I don't want to substitute TikTok with Grinder, so let me like skip out on on TikTok and just focus on writing. But then um, I caved over the summer, and um, I just posted one video about you know the fact that we know that there's a we know that there's an eating disorder crisis, and nobody's really saying anything, and nobody really knows about it in the um, you know, larger culture, the larger society, like straight culture is dealing with a lot of these things centered around, you know, consent with the Me Too movement and body image um, for young girls. And I just feel like a lot of these things are happening inside the gay community, but we just don't have the language to talk about them yet because we're still very much oppressed. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. um, our voices have not really been heard on this issue and I feel like there's a tendency in the last few years among gay men specifically to think okay we got our rights we can just sit back now and relax but it's like there's so much more work to be done and so yeah I guess 
I just like, you know, it was kind of like a, a, a boulder rolling down a hill. Like it kind of just picked up speed and um, I began to kind of like pick different parts of my writing that I was working on um, and make like, try and make like little sound bites on, you know, those issues. Of course, yeah. challenging because you only get a certain amount of time. You only get 15 seconds really to capture someone's attention. So sure. And these are like very nuanced conversations. These are, these are right. more, they're more in depth than 15 seconds. So right. you gotta, <laughs> it's hard to do. And that's what, that's what I love and hate about TikTok is that like, mm-hmm. cause I'll, I'll be talking about, you know, important issues or even like news stuff that comes out like it, like, you know, when Donald Trump trying to make restrict trans access to healthcare, but it's like, you have to make that video under 30 seconds. Otherwise no one's going to watch it. Right. <laughs> so it's a very fine line to toe, but so challenging it creates like a new i think it keeps people on their toes but it also like yeah it's it's a good challenge in ways um but then you have people in the comments that are like well what about this and what about that and da, 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 da. and it's like you, it's impossible you know so that's why yeah. i started the podcast to kind of um you know have these conversations in a longer form mm, okay and obviously these are i mean you're very smart guy you you are really thinking about your own experiences and 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 and, and observing the world and, and what's happening in our communities and then using yourself and your platform and your thoughts to put it out there because you realize you see that it's not out there and that's very noble of you especially if you're being vulnerable which i, I know you are to an extent so when you said that you quit grinder in 2019 what prompted you to do that what was happening in your life that made you take that decision and how did that look how did that pan out over the course of it, of the year yeah so i feel like what happened was when i first downloaded grinder i was 18 um and it was 2015 i had just come out like four months prior five months prior um and i was like immediately uh addicted i would say mm-hmm. to and i was even looking back at you know some of my journals from that time and i can see that i was um automatically addicted because i had grown up not really thinking about i mean i guess i was thinking about sex but i just thought it was something that would come later on in my life and i just didn't i wasn't thinking hypersexually and you're kind of, you know, when you're growing up in the closet, you're kind of having to like push all of that down. So I would say that for me, and I know for a lot of people, like the birth of Grinder in their life, it kind of was like a volcano that was like overdue for an eruption. I mean, literally, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was like, um, it was, yeah, it was like some sort of thing went off and you're getting hit with all of this validation and all of this uh, instant gratification that you've never had before um, and that you've never had access to before. So it became, and you know, it's interesting because I had a very bad first sexual experience um, with a guy where I just was kind of like saying yes and he was kind of like, you know, um, overly bearing and overly aggressive. I mean, before I even had the chance to like say yes, he was already 
grabbing my face and kissing. And this was like a mutual friend. And this was like, you know, my first night out in New York, mm. 18, like, and not really knowing what to expect and not really knowing that you could even say no, you know, just thinking sure. it was like my first makeout with a guy. And I was just thinking, okay, this is what people do. Um, but looking back, it was so bad and it was so, um, and I, I mean, in the moment it was bad. I had to like get up and leave. I was like, this is so, um, he was really drunk and he was like, you know, putting his hands down my pants and putting his tongue in my mouth. And I was just kind of like, ugh, you know, not feeling it. (laughs) It was like God awful experiences, but I was like telling myself that I needed to just like do it to experience it kind of thing. Mm. And I've heard that, uh, and this is something I could definitely speak to later on too, but like, I think, feel like when you have a bad experience um, and somebody like crosses a boundary, you actually can become then hyper-sexualized thereafter because you're trying to actually like um, go through enough experiences to like either forget about it or to like make up for it in a way. Um, Mm. and you want to kind of like have a better experience so that you can like, you know, make up for that, that experience that you almost like let, I think there's a thinking that I had that like, I let that happen to me. You know, I let somebody break, uh, that trust when of course that's like a form of, of victim blaming. Um, so I think right after that, I became very hypersexual because I was trying to, yeah, like make up for that one bad experience that I had, the first bad experience and the first experience that I had. So yeah, I basically became addicted with Grindr and and hypersexualized into that whole instant gratification thing. And, you know, I was doing the thing of like deleting it and redownloading it and deleting it and redownloading it. <laughs> and I was thinking that I was gonna like find my soulmate on there, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, that was just such bullshit. So yeah, like I had to go through enough of the shame cycle of repeating the behavior, like re-downloading it and, and get back. And, and were you finding most of the, so you see, when you're on the app and you were, you were, you know, trying to make up for this bad instance, this bad hookup, were you finding any sort of satis- satisfaction in these new hookups or being on the app or was what, what, what was it like to you? Was it like instant, was it like in the moment it was fine and then later you regret it or how was, how was this affecting your, your mental health as you were like participating? Yeah, no, it was bad because I would also like really worry what other people thought of me. That was like my big thing. So I would like, if I would message someone, Hey, and then they wouldn't answer. Mm. I, think oh my god like what you know like there's something I'm not good enough yeah Yeah. and I would just really I think part of it was I was so desperate to just um have other gay friends not necessarily sexual I mean there were some instances where of course there was sexual attraction but like sometimes I would go home and like see all these people from my high school on there and I really wanted to like bond with them over it like I wanted to also like find out because you know I'm a writer so like I wanted to investigate what other people were doing and what other people were thinking and like because there's no roadmap you know and I think I was trying to figure out like what is normal to do on here or like what is the norm you know 
I was trying to really be, be social and people don't want that, you know, ungrounded. Like nobody no. <laughs> there to make friends. So I quickly, I mean, there's definitely times where it had happened. You know, I have met really great friends on there. Um, and there were times where people would share with me their experiences. And that was part of the reason, like, I would just message anybody and anybody, anyone and anyone, anybody. <laughs> How do you say that? Is it anybody? Everyone, anybody and everyone, everyone and anyone. Right? Yeah. Young sister. I'm like, um, so yeah, I would message anybody who would, you know, be open to it just to kind of hear about their experiences and a lot of people told me about what they were experiencing and about what they were going through. And that was kind of how I knew that there was a crisis going on. So like mm. part of it was the fact that I was drowning in it. And then there was the other part in it that I was like realizing that I wasn't alone. And that, yeah. that was, that was, you know, that made me a little bit cynical because it felt like there was nobody to help us. You know, that, that made it feel like there was a, there was no hope in ways um because it felt like our community is broken you know well, i mean which it is um mm. so you know it became yeah it became a way that i viewed myself in like this really you know sort of toxic way and and finally um at the start of 2020 is when i decided to be like you know i'm gonna just quit this forever but it it became it you know it took so many so many trials to get to that point it was never just like one day me being like oh I'm gonna quit you know yeah totally and I I I'm glad that you brought up like that this is a universal experience that this is something that doesn't get talked about much because I mean I know that I've been through similar things I used to I used to, I used Grindr a lot, but also Snapchat too, to seek validation. Like I remember there was a talk, there was a point in my life where I would consider myself a, a toxic person <laughs> or a toxic like guy in that sense, where I would be Snapchatting boys and some intent, like had no intentions of meeting some of them or, ha or having anything real with them. But I was just like addicted to watching my snap score go up because I was like, oh, like look how many people I'm talking to. Like I got 10 in the inbox and, and it was like, this weird thing where I was just addicted to getting that validation, seeing those Snapchats come through, seeing that red square saying that I have a message to read. And I don't, I don't know like where that, that, I mean, I think that comes from a lot of things that comes from a place of insecurity in a lot of us uh, that is perpetuated by the, the queer community and the standards that we have in the gay community for, for our looks and everything. Um, but I, I, I remember ending it. I remember think I remember finally getting breaking free of that when I just decided, you know what, why am I wasting my time? Like, why am I putting any sort of attention or effort into things that I don't care about or things or people that I'm just playing with? Like, what is the point of that? Mm -hmm. And so I finally, you know, stopped that probably two years ago, but, um, it, and it's, and it's interesting that you brought up the, the 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 when you said hey when you would reach out to someone and say hey and then they didn't respond that you felt invalidated or that you felt insecure how did you 
get out of that? How did you find confidence through that mm -hmm. when you were going through it or, or when you decided to stop using it? Yeah. I just want to also point out one. Yeah. You said um, before I forget. And that thing is that like, there's a part of it that's like, you know, our community has this, has a uh, instant gratification problem. But the other thing is, is that like these companies like Snapchat and Grindr, they know that mm -hmm. they make this technology and they profit off of that. And that's what I believe Grindr has done is that they've know that, you know, there's people that are living in the middle of, you know, bumblefuck that are in the closet and have no way of really escaping their towns. And so they developed this technology that is going to make people addicted to that instant gratification. So I just wanted to point out that like, it's not, it's not really all your or, or my fault, you know, also. Yeah. Technology that is, you know, kind of like broken. I mean, the whole world, obviously, with social media, but specifically, Grindr has, uh, and Tinder, you know, have harped on, have profited off of people's loneliness, basically. So just and they get away with it by disguising it as like find your find someone you know to to, to have real something real with it. right <laughs> and it's like all yeah like even grinders like trying to be like all sex positive and it's like there's nothing positive about your app about your business about your experience because you've you've done way more harm than good for people um but in terms of messaging people and then not getting a response back you know there were definitely times in my early years on grinder that i'm like Ugh, when i look back like i would and that was a part of the shame cycle is that i would feel so ashamed of somebody not answering that i would definitely be one of those people that would like um you know if they didn't answer then like maybe three weeks later i would like message them again and then like sometimes you get those messages back so it was like this whole confusing thing of like I feel like part of it is, and then like when people, I feel like everybody kind of does that a little bit to like somebody who's like out of their league, you know, like even the hottest people, I feel like message someone and they don't get a response back and they're like, try again or like whatever. And then they won't message them again. And then it's like, you feel a greater shame. Mm -hmm. You know, I even have people who are like, who message me um, or, or at the time, like I had people who were messaging me and like, I wouldn't answer them. You know, so I feel like it's like this domino effect of like, part of it is like, we all need to take a hint. The other mm -hmm. part of it is like, I think we can be a little bit nicer to each other also and have, the, but nobody wants to communicate. And I feel like getting those messages and not answering them, you know, if someone's just messaging you, hey, like I know for myself, there's almost like a ego thing that I got from it where like ignoring someone felt like cool. You know, mm. that's why I think people, a lot of people are toxic, you know, we're taught to be toxic in that way because if somebody does that to us, it feels so bad and so shitty, you know? And so I would feel horrible. And then I would feel like, oh my God, I need to like, obviously get the hint. You know, I just messaged this person twice and they didn't answer me. <laughs> Someone does that to me. It's almost like at the time I was thinking, oh, I feel like better in this way because, you know, I'm leaving, I'm, you know, leaving this person on red or whatever. Like there's a power dynamic that we all, we all know is there, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. 
I think gays specifically, and I'm sure straight people do this too, but um, gay people, I feel like, especially on Grindr, it's like a power game, you know, and it's like a power trip. And we're not looking at each other as human beings, you know, like we're not looking at each other with, with enough respect and consideration to just, you know, communicate. But I guess Grindr isn't really, Grindr also isn't the space for that, you know. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's like a, it's a fucking meat market, <laughs> basically. Right? Like if you think about it, you just pull this up on your phone and you just get a, a grid of, of shirtless pictures of which one are you going to pick? Like they got stats and then, you know, right. they have, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like reading the nutrition box on some meat. And you're like, which one do I want? <laughs> which is bad because it's just like our, for many people, it's their only sense of community. Mm. And it was my only sense of community for so long. So I felt like I wanted to take advantage of just like talking to other queer people. Cause I never really had that experience. So for me, that's kind of partially what it what it was. You know, it wasn't like it was a bunch of things. I think it was just like a giant. Um, it, it's so weird because you're not talking to anybody who who's like you, you know, for so long, and then you're getting hit with all this sort of at once, um, and you know, you're not able to really develop socially i think um do you do you think grinder is is making a generation of like emotional desensitized gay kids or or is our apps like grinder and tinder are they simply like bringing out what was already there or they're highlighting some of the loneliness and some of the issues that were already in our community yeah i think it's i think it's both um but i think that when people who say that they have, you know, a problem with Grindr or a problem with Snapchat or a problem with anything that you feel like you can't stop, you know, if you're deleting it and redownloading it or, or whatever, and if it's, you know, weed, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, whatever it is, um, it's not necessarily the thing itself that's the problem. I mean, Grindr has their own issues as a company and as a, obviously, we, we all know that. But mm-hmm. relationship to the thing, I think, mm-hmm. for me, is more about whatever that void is trying to fill. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not that that alcohol inherently, I mean, of course, it's, we know it's bad, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not inherently the alcohol. It's more so the thing that the alcohol is trying to cover up. Right. The void that that's trying to cover up. So, like... I think it's helpful for people who are like struggling with, with anything to kind of like remove the thing from the equation and just focus on like, what, why are you doing this thing? You know, like, what is this really about? Um, because, you know, obviously Grinder, like we said, um, has kind of like, highlighted these things but it's really just showed a mirror up to us you know yeah yeah totally uh yeah because like if you're lonely if you're lonely and you hop on an app you're you know you're looking to fill that loneliness to find that void and an app like grinder um i'm not going to say that no one that's lonely has ever 
not found something good on there or something i'm sure there's like a a success story of someone that like met their boyfriend and they are happily married now or whatever or they're in a happy relationship but you're it's, you're lonely and you go on this app and this app is designed not to fulfill those loneliness needs it's 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 designed to keep you lonely but to keep you coming back and looking right. for more and so I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying about how it's an it's 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 there. It's 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 in our own self. These problems, these issues, whether it's loneliness or validation. And what what do you think that people can do to because you are a success story of someone who has turned off these apps or turned off social media. So what do you think people can do to stop this instant gratification seeking and to resist this whole culture of of hookup on Grinder or match on Tinder and, and things like that. Well, the thing that I also want to like highlight throughout all of this work that I'm doing is yeah. to is to kind of um, drive home for people that like I'm not out of the woods. Mm. You know, like I I don't think anyone is. Um, and when you're dealing with an addiction whatever it is, even if your addictions, you know, if your addiction Snapchat, if your addictions Twitter, whatever, um, you're dealing with it forever. Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing that that I think gets misaligned when we talk about these things is that like, if you do it for a certain amount of time, or, you know, like, now I'm in a, you know, relationship with someone, it doesn't mean that like, down the line, years from now, I won't find myself going back to the same pattern so it's a continuous you know and it's like you really you're talking about your relationship to yourself and your own self-love and that's like a continuous journey and relationship um i hate the word journey but <laughs> like it's um it's a continuous uh battle it's it's like a you know a marathon not a sprint so that's the thing that i really want people to know too but yeah i think it's really hard to break a habit if you don't replace it. So mm. people that are thinking they want to delete Grinder, and if they keep finding themselves going back, think about that. You know, think about changing your sort of like um, your habits, you know, mainly because I think I don't think that you can just quit Grinder. And for me, I mean, I was I did quit Grinder, but then I like was still having guys in my dms you know that i was sexting for a while like it's, yeah it's kind of like you take one thing um and it's like water coming out of a a wheelbarrow you know it kind of like pokes a hole keep like you know so and and i was like smoking weed i think excessively during the quarantine and i often think is that because I quit Grinder? Is that because, you know, mm. I need to fill that, you know? Yeah, voice? something else. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I'm still working on how to fill um, that void. And you really have to give that, I mean, it's so cheesy and we've like heard it a million times, but like you really need to focus on your relationship to the self. And I don't think that you really get past Grinder without going back and acknowledging the hurt that you had as a child because that's what grinder is it's like a bunch of people in the room together who have all you know all of whom have daddy issues mm. so like 
whatever your whatever happened in your childhood in terms of your sexuality or you know I think you need to address that and that that thing that we were talking about like that wound that made you go on grinder in the first place um you need to address that first in order to go forward so um and the other thing is like it's all America round you know like it's all a carnival ride and nobody I mean I get a lot of people asking me this you know like what do I have to do to stop grinder like what's the secret and if there's no secret there's literally just being self-aware you know acknowledging your childhood trauma and then also like admitting that like you'll get off the ride when you want to get off the ride. There's nothing that I can tell you. There's nothing that your therapist can tell you. There's nothing that anybody can tell you that's going to tell you, you know, that's going to make you want to quit until you are ready to do that. So if you need to keep redownloading and downloading again, like, I don't think that's bad. I think you kind of just need to let it run its course if that's what you want to do. And if that's where, you know, your brain is getting that, that validation and you're not ready right now to go without it you know I think yeah there's and removing the shame from it because if you if you're just like beating yourself up for it you're gonna keep doing it so Mm. you really have to go super super gentle with yourself and and forgive yourself because the reason that people are still on there is because they're ashamed and they're ashamed that they're on there and they're ashamed that they're messaging people and they're not getting messages back and they're messaging people again, you know, and they're, you know, it's like a continuous shame cycle. So, and I think our, our generation is so great at beating themselves up um, and then beating each other up. And it's like, we have so, we have like no mercy for anybody and for ourselves. So like, that's going to be a big, problem you know moving forward um and a real toxic problem so i think the more empathy you have for other people the more empathy you have for yourself um doesn't mean that people shouldn't be held accountable doesn't mean that people shouldn't be you know um put in their place when they need to be or or whatever but i just think that um having shame is a really easy way to continue bad behavior. Mm, Yes, I agree with that so much. I think that I'm big on not judging yourself in in, in everything. I mean, we're talking about shame specifically, but to look at yourself, whether it's your work or your, or your relationships or your, you know, being on grinder. And if, and, and, and not judging yourself or comparing yourself to others, because when we do do that, it is it's, it is just like it's like scrolling on Instagram and again, you know, having body issues. You're comparing yourself to others, but it's like stop stop doing that. Like first of all, recognize okay, I'm on Grinder. Um, I don't want to be on Grinder, but I'm here. Don't don't beat yourself up for it. You did the first part. You recognized it. Now make a decision. Do you want to quit it? Do you want to get off it? Do you want to go delete it? Great, that's your decision, and don't judge yourself for whatever decision that you are going to make, uh, because we are we are such a. I think you know it's it's part of our society and just the way that our lives are structured and set up that we have so much expectations on us, and mm-hmm. if we don't reach that, if we don't you know go to college and get a degree, if we don't get a 
amazing job and have a, a house and a family and get married or whatever. Like there's, you know, we're told that that's not the right thing to do, that we're not enough. Um, and so it's created this whole expectations on us and all these things that, that bring us to shame or self-doubt. Uh, so that's a big one. I remember, and I, I remember I used to scroll on Instagram um, and I used to get uh, insecure because of the people I would see on there. And the way I stopped that is kind of what you what, what you said is recognizing it. I I mean, of course, I still catch myself sometimes. But the step one, like if you're scrolling and you start getting insecure because you're seeing all these beautiful or, or typical body standards of, of what we call beautiful mm-hmm. people, you recognize that you're in that moment. You say, wait, what am I doing? I'm looking at all these pictures and they're making me feel sad. OK, now you now that you've recognized that, make a decision. Go log off the app or keep scrolling. If you keep scrolling, it's going to hurt. Well, why don't you log off the app or go look at some, something else. Go look at a totally different topic or page. And uh, and that's what I've been doing. And it's helped a lot because you, when you have that self-awareness, you are able, you're in the position to give yourself the best judgment or moving forward that you that you want it that you're able to do do you get that a lot do you do you ever wreck it do you see yourself comparing yourself to others and and getting caught in that whole thirst trap cycle where you're just like oh this is not like this is not what i look like (laughs) yeah i mean totally i definitely struggle with you know my self-image and the way that i you know look and my body and all of that so um yeah it's a continuous journey like i don't want and i feel really uncomfortable actually um when people kind of look at me and think oh like you're you have it all figured out or you have it you know like i kind of want to like sometimes i want to like do something crazy to just prove that like I'm, I'm still, or like, I want to find a way to like show people that like, I'm still in that, you know, it is like I said, like, it's not like you're ever, you're never over it. You know, it's just, you're learning how to like tolerate it and learning how to, um, be with it. Um, really, or like learning how to tame it, I would say, because it can get so out of control for people obviously um but yeah like i am continuously looking at people with abs and thinking oh my god you know yeah i I shouldn't like eat this sandwich or i shouldn't eat like 10 oreos (laughs) or go to bed so like um i think yeah it's a continuous continuous journey and there is a journey again (laughs) <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not not the word that you don't like. <laughs> That's funny. What's up with that word? Where does why don't you like it? I just think it sounds so. I mean, this is gonna sound so mean, but I'm you know I'm from New York, and whenever I hear that word, I just think it's so LA. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like so like you know. But, I'm on my spiritual journey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I I always say it because it's true. It's like. Um, I just feel like I overuse it, but, um, yeah, like it's a, I guess it's like any relationship, like the relationship you have with yourself, you know, it's like, there's always going to be ups and downs and things that come up and, um, there's progress, but then there's also setbacks. Like you have to think about it like that, I think. 
so is there a and i agree with that a hundred percent um is there a good way to use grinder or is, or a, is there is there a silver lining to it like can like like what do you what are your thoughts on using grinder but in a healthy manner if possible yeah i think the healthiest way that you can approach grinder is like i said kind of like we all know it's fucked up i mean like there's no denying that so i can't make it seem like yeah you can go on there and have a healthy experience like and and, and it's it's fucked up because of the way that it's set up because of the what the, the programmers have designed it for I think that there's a lot of things going on in the gay community, and it seems like we don't understand how we got to this point of shame and of, um, you know, that having this underground technology that perpetrates ideas of treating people like they're... Um, there's like a currency of of ego and of the shallow like uh sexual nature like where we're not really looking at each other like human beings we're just looking at each other like sex objects mm -hmm. really and treating each other with such disrespect and not respecting boundaries like all of these things that are going on on grinder um of course you can message someone and have a great night and and go and hook up with them and and that'll be that. But I don't, I think it's a bottomless pit. Mm. Like I think you can have a great night and do whatever you got to do to have a, a wonderful sexual experience with someone. But then like, you're going to log on after that, you know, like you're going to log on the next day and want to do it again and again. And that's where it gets bad. And I think like we have all these sort of issues um, like I I'm talking about and I think it's helpful to think about them as we're living in a post AIDS community. So a lot of the things that we're talking about are because we lost an entire generation to AIDS mm. and pair that with the boom of social media and then you got grinders. So things like body image, for example, that really began where gay men and men in general, um, became aware and conscious of their bodies, that became um, a thing around the AIDS epidemic because you didn't want to look like you were dying. Like you didn't want to look ill. So mm. guys were hyper masculine and, and, and looking to get really fit to be the antithesis of somebody who was dying. So we've like created this whole thing that we have now in terms of social media and body image and and that's all what it is but i think we need to look at some of these issues and like the shame uh and and pair them with the fact and the fact that we don't have any like leaders or anybody that's like watching over us or any like icons you know that we can really look up to and and there seems like there's nobody there to like guide us through this that's because they're all dead mm, <laughs> so wow. we could have had you know, people just like we have, and that's, I think why we have so many female icons, you know, those are the people who like witnessed that part of history and, and lived through it. And, and so we rely on people like Madonna and, you know, Liza Minnelli and, and Lady Gaga, like, um, 
because they are they kind of like had to step into that like motherly role because we lost our forefathers really wow um so i think grinder in a lot of ways it just represents the fact that we're kind of like um almost like lord of the flies you know like (laughs) children like raising ourselves um because straight culture is obviously not gonna like do this work for us of putting these pieces together. So we kind of have to remember that we are a community that has just been kind of, um, you know, shattered by this generational trauma of AIDS. And it is reminiscent today. Um, But I also think that the healthiest way that you can deal with Grindr, to get back to your question, is really just by like, I think you sometimes have to like lean into the suffering a little bit. Like, I I don't think you can really avoid it because when you're avoiding, that's when you could lean into the suffering, kind of have a judgment-free relationship with yourself and not beat yourself up for being on Grindr, like, and not beat other people up for doing it too, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's not helpful. So just kind of like go easy on yourself. And if that's what you need to do, you kind of have to say, you kind of have to change your thinking instead of saying like, oh my God, I was so stupid for going on Grindr and redownloading it and, or going on Snapchat and I'm just so, you know, self-conscious. I think the way that you could change your thinking is really just being like, that's what I had to do to get that in time. You know, like I had to go on, maybe you had to go on Grindr and get through quarantine or or get through this horrible time that we're living through so like just tell yourself that like whatever you had to do to get through the day that's that's the the healthiest way that you can be on grinder okay uh and you made an interesting point you said that the the problem is that you will go on grinder you might have a a good hookup hookup experience it might go well it might be fun, whatever. And then the problem is that you'll come back to Grindr. So right. is there is there an underlying issue in which it's unhealthy coping mechanisms like using sex to seek validation or to recover from trauma or to, or to fulfill self-esteem? Is that an underlying issue or, or, or are there actually people out there who have a healthy relationship with themselves and just like sleeping around? Like, is that also a possibility or do you, are you coming from the approach that that's unlikely the case? Um, <laughs> it's such a, it's such an interesting point because I get hit with this all the time. Like, well, what if I met my husband on Grindr or what if, you know, like I'm in a relationship from, from, from Grindr or um, I just like sleeping around and, you know, it sounds to me of course, like, I, I haven't spoken to every single gay person, so I don't know what they're all thinking. Sure. And even if I did speak to all of them, I probably still wouldn't know what they were thinking. But <laughs> I think that there's been so much history of people sleeping around to numb something or people drinking to numb something that to me, when I hear that, it sounds a little bit like well, I just go out, you know, three or four times in a week and it's fine because I'm aware of it, you know, or I'm, I'm okay with myself, blah, blah, blah. you know? So it seems like, yeah, of course, 
there's high functioning people who can do that kind of thing and live a happy life and be totally fine. Um, I just know that it, it totally outweighs the number of people who are using it to numb something. So that's mm -hmm. where like my focus is, you know, on those, on helping those people. If, if there are people who want to go and hook up, like go and hook up, I want to be, um, sex positive at the same time. Like, that's why I'm saying kind of like, if you want to go on Grinder, even if you have, even if you know it's bad for you, but you can't quit, mm -hmm. um, if you just need to go on Grinder, you know, like maybe you just need to go through it and like experience it. And like, sometimes it's like an elevator, you know, um, and you want to just keep going down and like, there's multiple chances to get off, but you just want to keep, keep riding that ride and yeah. you need to hit rock bottom. So that's why I say like, it might be good for you to, to keep going if you feel like you can't stop um instead of like beating yourself up like just ride the elevator down and like when you hit the rock when you hit the right spot where you when you're done that's where you know your like threshold is <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you need to hit rock bottom definitely yeah. before uh, ever going back up totally <laughs> uh well so you're you're a cultural critic um Let's talk about. Let's criticize. I want to hear. I want to hear you criticize the some of the toxicity in gay culture. Moving away from Grinder, like I know there's there's a multitude of other things wrong with inside the gay community, such as racial preferences and fetishizing stereotypes, and of course the body standards, which we kind of touched on earlier. So what are what are some of the the things the crit the critiques that you have? on the gay community that you see or that you've experienced or that you've talked to people? Um, yeah, what do you got? So I feel like there's a phenomenon that happens um, where gay men are just like, I mean, and this is, I don't know if you can add to this um, from a West Coast perspective, but I know that from the um, New York City perspective, gay men are just like vicious to each other in real life. Mm -hmm. And been yeah, I, I'll, I'll say yes, in L.A. especially, um, it's the very same. <laughs> oh, my God. Sure. It's, it seems very similar in the same kind of, you know, I think there's like a competitive nature that goes on, especially like when you're meeting, you know, I've had this situation happen multiple times where like I'll meet my girlfriend's other gay friend and there's like an immediate like line drawn in the sand because there's like you know, this competitive thing that happens where, like, there can only be one gay friend in the group or, like, you know. So um, I think it's interesting. And it leads to, it goes back to, like, that kind of, like, trauma and that broken community aspect. Like, we really don't have a community. Like, we say that, but we really don't know. We don't, we don't have that, you know. Um, so we're actually, like, sometimes the meanest to each other. And there's so much infighting that goes on. But I think... Um, you know, so there's that, there's that. Um, and then the viciousness that kind of goes on Twitter is like crazy, you know, um, I think gay men are not all, but there's many who are dealing with their own stuff and they're like projecting that out there. So, you know, things like the Twitter gaze and sort of like the way that they kind of gang up on each other. I find it interesting because, you know, um, 
you'd think that we'd be more united and you think that we'd be united in the fact that we share a common enemy um, and share common oppressors. But it seems like, you know, if I'm, if I'm your enemy, like if I'm, if I'm the oppressor, I want to divide up everybody to come. Right. You know? So like, I think gay men are unaware of that tactic that, um, they are divided, but they are not divided by coincidence, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. not, you know, when we're mean to each other, we're actually, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Like, I've definitely, I've definitely joined in on like the drama and the infighting and like the friend groups and, you know, the cattiness or whatever. Um, but I think when we're doing that, we're giving the oppressors what they want, you know, which is a divided front. So it's interesting that like they don't take that energy and place it onto where it really deserves to be, um, which is our systems in place. And and it seems like gay men are are more concerned about getting a blowjob in the bathroom than they are about their you know trans rights getting taken away, for instance, mm-hmm. or um, you know holding the police accountable, who not too long ago were also you know, oppressing them. So I feel like gay men's attention and their priorities, um, especially, and when I say gay men, I'm really talking about the influencers on social media. Yeah. Power. And, and I would imagine it's, it's a lot of, I mean, not all, but a lot of white cis gay men that are yes the main culprits of this, because you see that like the ones that were all responsible for like gays over COVID, right. <laughs> that are in Puerto Vallarta, like sinking their ship. Um, it's, it's this group that we're talking about just to be yes. clear. Okay. Specifically. Um, like, I just think the priority needs to be on helping out those people that don't have the same privileges as us. Mm-hmm. And, like I said earlier, just because we got our right to marry in 2015, I feel like we've kind of been like sitting out on the sidelines while other people's rights have been stripped away. Um, and I wish there was more of a united front in the gay community. And I wish there was more momentum uh, when it came to social justice rather than, uh, you know, picking at each other or talking about, you know, spending time uh, just criticizing stupid shit you know like i kind of hate that on twitter well it's like it's it's so there it's so naive of of some of these gays it's uh like last year we had an extraordinary i think the largest number of black trans women were murdered or, or i think trans women in general were murdered but majority were uh people of color and i didn't like no one in that white gay community that la gay community talked about it or you know made posts about it um they might have posted a black square back in june when that was like the cool thing to do but it's like well where's that energy now like you we just watched not only our our black our black people um black trans women being killed but like you're not talking about it you're not making you're not mentioning it uh and also don't forget that black trans women or or trans people of color are the reason why we even have the rights that we do today. Like they started right. this whole movement back in the sixties. They were the, the, you know, the, they laid the path down to, and now we enjoy um, what they, what they started for us. And so 
it is. It's just like naive. It's like so. Like, are you are you just ignoring this on purpose, or do you just not care, or what's what's your motive behind this? Uh, I think they just don't care. I think there's like a like I said. I think we have so much so much privilege now as gay men, especially white cis gay men, that there's like this tendency to not really care about these things because we we didn't have to as much as the older generations did. Mm. And, you know, besides even just like posting about it, I think people could specifically white gay cis men can really spend their time away from social media, reading about these things and understanding the context of how we got to this point, you know, because they lack context and they lack education. And like I said, that's partially because we lost an entire generation, but the material is still there for you to ingest, you know, like you can learn about these things and and specifically study the police because I think right now um, for all of us that should be our main priority is um, you know defunding and abolishing the police as we know it today um, and if there was more of a learning uh, a shared learning experience among gay men they would see that like we should be fearful of the police too, you know, and, and we should be holding them accountable and helping those who, who don't have, um, for those that have platforms and those that have, um, you know, large audiences on Twitter and, and social media, um, that should be your priority, not debating, uh, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh do you have any experience well i guess um in your work in your in your investigation and talking to other people do you have have you seen like racial fetishizing or, or things that go on like that because i mean i know i i'm aware of i've talked to friends and, and people that have been fetishized i've actually had a friend an old friend not my friend anymore who was telling me about how they were fetishizing an asian person um this was years ago and so like in in your experience like do you see a lot of that as well oh my god yeah and i think it's like so many people and i think i think a lot of people are guilty of this not just gay people but i mean gay people specifically some of them will look at issues like race or issues like gender and and I think there's this tendency to think that the world is split, or at least America is split between blue and red, you know? And there's people that think that just because they're gay um, doesn't mean that, I mean, it's crazy that people think this, and it's crazy that I even have to say this, but there's people that think that just because they're gay it doesn't mean that they can't be racist or anti-Semitic or, or sexist or transphobic. Like the fact that we think in such binary terms, you know, um, that all oppressed people are one monolith is crazy. Um, (laughs) But of course it's out there because there's people, I mean, especially it's, it's mainly coming from, of course, young people who are coming out of high school and not getting the exposure and the education um, they need to c- fully contextualize and understand race in America because our public school system is, uh, you know, broken. So I think a lot of those people are like getting that high school education 
and then they're coming and they're they're not leaving their like you know white suburbs um i mean yeah like i'm i'm from a white suburb on long island and uh, the lack of education that i grew up with um the people that still live there you can just kind of tell that there's just a lack of understanding so like for instance like there's that part of it and then when people go on grinder that's when you see things like you know no asian no femme no no black no trans in their bios because they're growing up in an ignorant society and you know racism is is passed down so yeah of course uh it's a problem and it's another reason why grinders you know fucked is because they've allowed this to go on yeah (laughs) would it i i don't know how old grinder is but i am right there with you i I think it's it's too long that's the answer (laughs) yeah like we've known that we we all know we've all seen this from from just being in different parts of the country you Mm -hmm. know um, and the thing that the other thing that I wanted to mention is that, and this goes back to the police, um, and what I'm saying about like gays being privileged enough, white gays to be privileged enough to not really care about these things. You also have to remember that there is gay people around the world who are being hunted down and killed. Yes, grinder is how uh, in many countries like Poland and Russia. Um, Grinder is the way that they are finding them. Um, so, but that seems, which seems ludicrous because you'd think that Grinder would take some of the responsibility or take some of that, you know, like do something about that. You know, I don't know what, but, but it yeah. seems like that's weird that we've allowed the police to work with Grinder to hunt down gay people. Like that should be something that we should all be concerned about because um, if there's gay people being killed and hunted down anywhere in the world, we should all be concerned. So like the fact that American white cis gays specifically have this privilege and have this platform, um, the fact that they're not talking about that enough, uh, you know, the things that have happened in Czechnia, it's like we've already forgotten. Even I know, like, I was super concerned about these things. And, like, over time, you kind of just forget about it because it's just not being talked about in our zeitgeist enough. And the fact that Grinder is being used as the main weapon um, is ludicrous. Um, well, what do, you, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, say, what do you think Grinder should do? Because I actually, I, I do know that they are hunting... Or they are. It's being used to. I so last spring, um, there was this uh, influencer in Morocco, I believe. Yes, Morocco, who she had like six hundred thousand on Instagram. She was verified and everything. And what she did was she went live on her Instagram and was telling her followers to go onto Grinder, to download Grinder, go onto Grinder, and then out gay men. Literally, like, go, hey, hey, followers, go to download Grinder, go on there, screen record or um, uh, 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 take a picture of of the, the people you're finding on the app and then, like, post them to Facebook or post them whatever, just, like, out them. Mm-hmm. And it was putting people in a ton of danger. I somehow found out about it and made, like, two or three videos on TikTok about it that all went viral and told everybody to report her 
to get her you know taken down and it, it took like it took like a whole day or so but instagram eventually deleted her account um and i talked to a moroccan person on my youtube channel and i had them explain to me what was actually happening he was a gay man in morocco so he was able to translate all the messages and he was able to explain everything but i was like that is so insane. That was my first time realizing or even seeing what was happening, that people could do that, that influencers or anyone can, was, was actually using an app, a queer app, to harm the community. And so I guess I just thought that was an interesting sh- story to piggyback off of. But I wanted to ask, what, what do you think that Grindr can do to implement these safety measures or to help so that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Is there a solution to it? Or is it simply a lack of accountability and saying, hey, you know, this is happening, this this is fucked up. Um, you know, we're, we're donating X amount of money to, to right. you know, uh, to relief or to uh, like humanitarian LGBT, you know, um, relief or whatever. Like, what, what do you think that Grindr should do? How does it, how does it, how do they redeem themselves for things like this? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because this has been going on for so long. At least I know it's been going on in the last five years with Grindr. I don't know uh, what's predated that. I'm sure it's, you know, from the birth of Grindr, this has been going on. But I think, like, at the bare minimum, I don't understand why they couldn't just, like, fucking post an Instagram about it. You know, like, there's not that sort of acknowledgement. So there's the fact that, like, it's covered up and... It's the fact that they haven't, you know, I, I mean, I mean, it's just like bare minimum stuff. Like at least Uber has like a panic button or like something, you know, like there's nothing. And, yeah. and also you mentioned earlier about um, black trans women being murdered. They're also being murdered through Grindr, you know, mm-hmm. like they're being, that's how they're being murdered. So like, I, I don't know if, So it's a problem here, too. I mean, I don't know if people need to be like, I know Tinder is now like verifying their users to make sure that they're like, you know, authentic or whatever. Um, But if they're in a region, if Grindr knows that they're available in a region where being gay is illegal, why would you still have your service be put there? other than to put other queer people in danger. Like I mm. understand I understand that it is a place of community for people who don't have access to other gay people. But that's what gay bars, you know, and gay speakeasies have been for generations. So I don't think we can I don't think anybody can say that just because you don't have grinder doesn't mean that you are lost in terms of community. I just think it's going to make it more difficult to find, you know, um, and it might be safer then um, if you're going to a speakeasy rather than going um, online because obviously you're being surveilled. So um, I don't understand why they don't want to take themselves out of countries like that. And I don't understand why they don't want to acknowledge it. It's weird. Well, yeah, because like it's the online, fucking... it is it is weird. The online thing is it's like lowering the barrier. Like you know, if, for example, a speakeasy. Okay, well, one, you have to know about this underground speakeasy. Someone has to tell you about it, and then you have to physically go there, and then you have to be let in or or whatnot. But when you're online, it lowers 
all the barriers of entry and it allows for you know what i just shared about how those people were going on grinder in morocco and just simply taking a screenshot of people's profiles and like outing them it's like there's no barrier whereas at least with a physical place there's some sort of community that's built but through word of mouth and through right actual physical community so yeah, I agree. I don't. Yeah, they should seriously take themselves off the app store in areas where it's illegal or that you will get killed or jailed. I think that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. And it's disturbing that they know that the police are are using it. You know, it's like they're working in cahoots with the police in a lot of these places. I mean, that's what it seems to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't fucking trust them. And that was kind of like another that's like enough. To, to get anybody to want to, I mean, for me, that's enough to make me want to not go back on there, you know, because there are other ways. I mean, and that's something that I got told a lot, like, well, if I delete Grinder, where am I supposed to meet people? And even if you live in a rural place, A, you should be making your priority to be to get the fuck out of there. If you live in a cons- ultra conservative area and you want a gay life, you should be making your priority to save enough, up enough money to move out. But mm-hmm. if you don't live in that sort of setting, especially if you live in a city, like volunteer at your local center, you know, for LGBTQ youth and like do those kinds of things. But even if you don't want to do any of that, like you can message people through, you know, Instagram, like how we met, you know, like anyone can make friends um, on Instagram and on TikTok now. Um, I mean, that's how me and my boyfriend met, like. I don't understand why when people say like, oh, it's the only place I can meet people. It's the only place where you can get instant gratification from other gay people. Mm-hmm. It's not the only place that you can meet people, uh, other gay people, I mean. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of a tired excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you met your boyfriend on TikTok? Yeah, we actually. It's awesome. Called, um, yeah, he messaged me on Instagram. Very funny. Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's definitely an opportunity to meet people. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like the the whole the like the whole gay side, gay TikTok side. It's funny that a lot of us know each other. Like I have a lot of friends that are gay TikTokers, and I know that, like they all know each other. It's like it's it is this community. And I was thinking like this was just like my rambling thoughts when I when I was like trying to sleep. It was like. If there's ever like a VidCon type thing or like an influence, like a TikTok like meetup, like that's gonna get messy because all these gay kids know each other. <laughs> you know, one someone has a crush on this one, the other one has a crush on the other. Like it's like it's just gonna get messy and stupid. Oh, and I was just like laughing thinking about it, but <laughs> that's so funny. I never thought of that. We should do that when things open up. I could see that happening. I feel like wouldn't that be great? I feel like the new like tv like i feel like people watch tech dunk now that like they used to watch cable you know um yeah it's so exciting and it's so good to see i mean obviously tiktok's not perfect either like no social media company is but i mean it's a pretty pretty good upgrade from the sort of shallow area that we were in um you know with instagram i just feel like there's more depth to tiktok Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that a lot of people have like, uh, there's been a cultural awakening that's happened in the past, I mean, really since quarantine, but the past year, 
because, and TikTok's been a big part of it. Like, I don't know about you or what your beliefs are, but there's, I've seen like, there's been a spiritual awakening I've seen within the, the spiritual community and just of, you know, manifestation and things like that and healing your inner child and meditation. Like two years ago, like I felt like no one really gave a shit about that. And now it's almost like this whole generation is, is partaking in that or learning about it. And that can be thanks to TikTok, especially right. with also social issues. Like just look at the Black Lives Matter movement. I think TikTok played a huge role in educating white people and other people what was happening. And, and being able to see the protests too this summer was huge. Those were you were you on the app when they're like that was the, the big the big deal like when protest videos were blowing up. I actually joined TikTok in July, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think I joined in July, so it was like right on the tail end of all that. But that was like kind of what inspired me to get on because I think it was so, you know, that was like the height of it. Um, in yeah, June. and it's it's just amazing that anybody from anywhere whether you live in you know bumfuck alabama and you have no idea what's happening like you're seeing these protests go on you're seeing how big this movement is you're seeing these people and and what is is happening and why we're all fed up and it's like it's 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 a cultural moment now it's like you're not only part of it you don't have to be there just to be part of it like say in the earlier days but now you can be a part of it and see it firsthand from wherever and I think that inspires a movement to move forward and to continue, you know, pushing for equality and justice. Right. One of the things I wanted to ask you, which is like yeah. totally back, but I wanted to ask what your sign was. Uh, I'm a Leo. Okay, cool. It's my I'm, sun sign. Yeah. You? I'm a Gemini, which is like oh. controversial. I know. I <laughs> know, a Gemini. It's like, ugh. <laughs> but the thing about like the spiritual... Stuff. Yeah, I feel like there has been that awakening. It's been so great to see. And that's what I think is like the antidote to all of the other stuff that we were talking about, you know, like all the shallow stuff. It's almost like we have this social media now that is like a healing space, you know, rather than um, the return. I feel like on what we were getting back on Instagram was just like a like. Um, and like Lady Gaga has said, that's a bottomless pit. And like, mm. it's a false economy. And it's it's just like, she said something like, the currency is shallow as fuck. And I I love that. You know, like when you yeah. think, I mean, and it's easy to get into that with TikTok too, because it, you have such a, a high level of, of likes and viewership. But I think it's also great that that's accessible to everyone kind of like every anyone can be can be famous on tiktok like you don't need to have any sort of following so it, it's even the playing field mm. yes definitely it's given power to to voices that wouldn't necessarily you, you you'd think would be the ones that given the microphone right um however there is the whole controversy there is do you feel that queer people are suppressed on TikTok? Had, did you experience that? I mean, it's an issue that I think has come up again and again. And especially with, you know, POCs as well. It's something that I think we definitely need to keep our eye on because back to what we were saying with, you know, Grindr being in other countries and, and we need to keep in mind that like, this is a 
Chinese owned company and China right now is committing the largest genocide that we've seen since World War II against Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I think, and they're also, they've completely taken over Hong Kong. Um, so they're actively, you know, oppressing people. So I think it wouldn't be surprising for this technology to turn on us. I mean, I don't know about the ins and outs of it. I just wouldn't trust I wouldn't put it past them, I guess um, I should say. And, you know, there's a lot of mystery still surrounding it. So I think we need to be super vigilant and we need to make sure that, and, and it's such a powerful, like you said, it's able to unite people to create the largest protest in the world that we've ever seen. So that is something that oppressors are not going to like. I mean, that's why Donald Trump wanted to ban it, you know. <laughs> so we need to be on our and we by no means can think that because it's been great, things can't change. So, I mean, I don't know if I personally have been affected by that. I definitely feel like if I don't post for a while, like I just took a month off, and now my viewership's down, so like I have to keep posting annoyingly. Mm-hmm. And this is why they rely on you to be addicted. You know, this is an example of that, which is just super fucking annoying. But I think you can, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know enough, I think, about it. I, I just, think, yeah. There was a time, so it, it really started coming to light. I mean, uh, they were talking about suppressing the suppression of black voices and the suppression of queer voices. And it really kind of peaked around the summertime. Mm-hmm. And in my experience and like talking to some other friends and stuff, it's, it's what would happen is they would unfairly delete videos that were, ha- had queerness in them, I guess. Like they would allow certain, like you can allow Tony Lopez to dance around and shake his junk and put his hand over his crotch like he's humping the air. But, you know, if, if a queer person did something slightly sl- similar, then that would get taken down. And mm. so it was this it was this weird thing where, like, we were we were scrutinized. Our content was looked at with a little bit of a, a magnifying glass and, and, and scrutinized. And what I don't know what what that was. I don't know if it was because homophobes were like mass reporting things. They never came out and said it. But TikTok did inv- invite. They they recognized this because we all kind of we were all upset. There was this whole like um, a lot of t- gay que- creators were ta- were speaking up on this and and mentioning it. So TikTok invited um, a bunch of gay creators, and over the course of three days, they had like three different sessions, and they talked to us and they had us con- like explain what we thought was going on and explain why we were upset and the things that i learned you know i think it's gotten better a lot and the things i did learn that's important is that when you get a video taken down if you appeal it some there will 100 be someone at tiktok that will review it and, and and decide whether it goes back up or not because that was something that i had i was like i'm like are you kidding me like i'm getting these videos taken down and i appeal them and they don't get replaced and it like does not violate your guidelines. Like, what's up with that? And so they told me that like, yes, 100% of the time when you make an appeal, someone's gonna see your video at TikTok, which has been important because I think a lot of times people get videos taken down and they don't even try to appeal it or they don't like, they don't look to the guidelines and then make a good case onto why it should be put back up. 
Um, but yeah, that was just that was just something that I I thought I would bring up because yeah, that's TikTok, really yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm really like out of. I feel like I'm sort of like out of the loop. Like my my inner self is like very. I feel like I'm really like old. Where like I don't. I don't. <laughs> You're not old. How old are you? <laughs> like in my head, I feel like I'm 40, but I'm 23. But I. Do, You're younger than me. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't even know like how to, <laughs> like you know how to even like find out if if my stuff is appealed or whatever. Like I'm really bad at. I'm just. Have really you ever bad had a video taken down? What's that? Have you ever had a video deleted by TikTok? Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I really should appeal for it. But um, I don't know. I feel like I'm so not with like the techie stuff. I mean, obviously, you know that it took like 15 minutes just for me to connect with you on here. <laughs> but like, I just feel like I don't know, like, you know, I'm not like tech savvy. Um, mm. So like, if things have happened, they've been like, you know, miscommunications with, with um, like, for instance, I did like a a book recommendation video of like five books that for like LGBT people to read. And one of the books was faggots by Larry Kramer. And they took that down for like hate speech or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I did email and I think I did, a, I did try to appeal it and then they never got back to me, but maybe I should be more persistent. And the thing that's ridiculous that they took that down. And even after an appeal, I know. And the thing that's been happening too, and I don't know if, what you know about this is um, my audio has been getting taken away from certain videos. Mm. So like, I don't know what's going on there. And they're not like, I don't think they're, I mean, I was looking back at them. I don't see any reason why they would be taken out. But that's, that, yeah, that's part of, that's, you, you're perfectly explaining part of the, the greater picture of what queer people feel like, why they feel like they're being suppressed on a platform. Because like, perfect example, you say faggot, which as a queer person, you know, you're not using it in a put down manner. You're, you know, you're, you're able to say that word. Um, and yet TikTok is going to take that down and suppress it. But really they're taking away your empowerment because you are empowering that word for yourself and for the community. And you're, you're making a point or you're, or you're sharing something. Um, but they are removing that from you. So they're taking back, they're taking away that, that power from you, which is, something that they need to understand because they need to understand, yes, that word is a bad word and like it shouldn't be used in other videos or certain videos if someone, you know, that, that isn't in the queer community says it, but for you, that's okay to say. And that's the type of scrutinization that we're seeing that, right. um, that I was mentioning earlier where they, they delete content. If it violates guidelines, yet it's not actually violating guidelines in, in a cultural sense. Right. Yeah. It's super weird. I mean, I'm just trying to think about if I've seen that kind of thing happen with other people. And I guess, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't really feel like I'm, I, yeah, I don't feel like I'm doing anything that's like too controversial. That would be enough for them to take away the audio, but it's also something that I've seen happen with, like, I think I just saw that like the girl who had said, um, you know, the, what's a video that lives in your life rent free girl. Like yeah. by her audio, I just heard, but that could be, I mean, I, she seems to be doing great because I saw that she was like blowing up, but somebody had mentioned that like they took away her audio and then I saw that my audio was getting taken away. So I didn't know if they were doing something like 
I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't just take down the whole video. Like, there's like videos now on my page of me like talking with no sound. It's <laughs> stupid. Like, just take down the video, you know? <laughs> what? Um, so I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> that's where I kind of feel like, you know, I'll use TikTok for for this time in my life, but I really would love to get to the point where I could like write books and never be on social media again <laughs> like yeah. oh wow like incognito and and just i want to be like lord but with <laughs> that's what with i want books <laughs> yes um hopefully one day oh my gosh uh well for now for now while you are on social media while you are utilizing it and using yep. harnessing the power of good uh why don't you drop where people can find you yeah so um my tiktok is at generation shallow and my Instagram is at Andrew J. Shallow. Um, yeah. Cool. And your podcast? My podcast is called Generation Shallow. Same name as the TikTok. And that's available on Spotify and Apple. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being here. I thought that we had a great conversation. That was lovely. Thank you all so much for listening. You are all so beautiful and amazing. Make sure to check us out at www.thealphabetmafia.com. You can read our blogs there. You can support our brand. Get a sticker. Get yourself a sticker. That really helps us. It raises brand awareness. You put it on your water bottle. You put it on your laptop. It becomes more of a common thing seen around town. Of course, if you need serious help, you can visit the trevorproject.org or you can give them a call at 1-866-488-7386. If you are in need of serious help, please reach out to those people immediately. They will be more than happy to help in a, in a tremendous way. Thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you have a beautiful morning, evening, whatever it is. Good night.